Today we wander the chapter, The Gathering of the Clouds, from J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. Prepare to embark on a thrilling adventure as we explore the mysteries of talking animals, decipher the contrasting natures of dwarves and hobbits, and delve into the intricacies of Bard's claims for Thorin's treasure. From unexpected alliances to profound moral dilemmas, join us as we uncover the untold tales and invite you to be part of the magic. This is The Lore of the Rings, episode 114, and I'm Aaron, your host and fellow Middle-Earth wanderer. Before we delve deeper into the realms of Middle-Earth, I want to invite you to find the show on social media. The Lore of the Rings podcast is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join our community of Middle-Earth wanderers by following the show using the links provided in the show notes, or simply search for Lore of the Rings podcast and tap that follow button. I've been experimenting with AI-generated images inspired by Tolkien's words in The Hobbit and posting those images on social media. Let me know what you think of those. Let's connect and share the magic together. Now, let's wander. We're going to delve deeper into a topic we've touched on before but haven't explored in detail, talking animals in The Hobbit. In this chapter, we encounter some fascinating instances of animals with the ability to communicate. For instance, we have the thrush, the same bird that conversed with Bard the man, understanding the dwarves and Bilbo. Additionally, an old raven speaks to the dwarves in the common tongue. Tolkien's works feature several talking animals. And here's a rapid-fire, non-exhaustive list for context. In the Silmarillion, Juan the Hound provides counsel to Baron during his quest to reclaim a Silmaril and win Luthien's hand. Eagles, in both The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, also possess the power of speech. However, it's worth noting that eagles are unique, as they are embodied Maiar, spiritual beings who serve the Valar, the gods of the world. And let's not forget that delightful surprise of a fox, encountering hobbits in the wild during the Fellowship of the Ring. In his essay on fairy stories, Tolkien contemplates talking animals and their significance in fantasy literature. He explains that this element derives from a primal desire for men to commune with other living things. According to Tolkien, quote, The desire of men to hold communion with other living things lies near the heart of fairy. Tolkien emphasizes that animals talking alone is not sufficient to classify a story as fantasy. He distinguishes between mere beast fables and true fairy stories. Animals talking on its own is not enough to call a story fantasy, quote, but the speech of beasts in a beast fable, as developed into a separate branch, has little reference to that desire, and often wholly forgets it. In stories in which no human being is concerned, or in which the animals are the heroes and heroines, and men and women, if they appear, are mere adjuncts. And above all those in which the animal form is only a mask upon a human face, a device of the satirist or the preacher. In these we have beast fable and not fairy story. For him, the true essence lies in the magical understanding of the proper languages of creatures of nature. Quote, the magical understanding by men of the proper languages of birds and beasts and trees, that is much nearer to the true purposes of fairy. Take Bard and the Thrush, for example. Bard doesn't suddenly acquire the ability to speak bird language. Instead, through the magic of his family line, which stems from Dale, he can comprehend the thrush's message. 
A similar enchantment enables the ravens to communicate with the dwarves. This is evident when the thrush attempts to convey something, and Balin turns to Bilbo, inquiring if the hobbit can understand the bird's speech. Bilbo, being his clever self, responds with a bluff to save face. Quote, Not very well, said Bilbo. As a matter of fact, he could make nothing of it at all. But the old fellow seems very excited. So, talking animals in Tolkien's works serve as conduits of crucial information and contribute to the character's understanding of their world. It's not merely about animals speaking, but about the magic and connection they bring to the narrative. Continuing our exploration, this chapter once again brings to light the stark differences between hobbits and the other races of Middle-earth, specifically dwarves. As the dwarves make their way back to the Lonely Mountain, their determination to go to war in defense of their ancestral treasure becomes evident. Ever consumed by greed and their insatiable lust for gold, the dwarves have grown audacious. However, Bilbo remains grounded, with his focus still centered on the simple comforts of life. When Thorin declares, quote, we have little time to lose, Bilbo quickly retorts, quote, and little food to use. Tolkien reminds us of Bilbo's nature, highlighting that he was, quote, always practical on such points. As the dwarves, being master stonemasons, utilize tools from the mountain to construct a stone wall blocking the entrance to their kingdom, we witness Bilbo's nature once again. He harbors a desire for a peaceful resolution, stating that he, quote, would have given most of his share of the profits for the peaceful winding up of these affairs. This exemplifies Bilbo's inherent inclination towards harmony and resolution amidst the brewing conflict. The contrasting music in this chapter further underscores the differences among the races. In the elven camp down the valley, the air is filled with the enchanting melodies of elven harps, and Bilbo finds himself yearning to be part of the singing and feasting in their company, rather than trapped inside the mountain. In response to the elven music, the dwarves offer their own song, reminiscent of the one they sang long ago in Bilbo's humble hobbit hole. If you recall, that song had both awakened Bilbo's adventurous Tookside, while simultaneously filling him with fear and leading to, quote, very uncomfortable dreams. Through these instances, Tolkien skillfully contrasts the values, desires, and natures of the various races in Middle-earth. The chapter serves as a poignant reminder of Bilbo's unique perspective and his unyielding attachment to simplicity and peace amidst the turbulent circumstances. I have one more insight to wander into with you. Are Bard's claims on Thorin's treasure just? We'll get to that right after this break. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. You can be the hero of your own Marvel Comics adventure. Marvel Strike Force is an extraordinary mobile game, a haven for comic book enthusiasts and gamers alike. Lead your own fellowship of heroes and villains to battle against the forces of darkness that threaten the very fabric of the universe. From the menacing Doctor Doom to the formidable Apocalypse, every battle is a chance to prove your mettle. And right now, Marvel Strike Force is commemorating its six-year anniversary. That means free rewards await those who heed the call and sign up today. With weekly events and bonuses, this anniversary celebration promises a treasure trove of special rewards. 
rally your allies, sharpen your blades, and dive into the action of Marvel Strike Force today. Use code MAXPOOL to unlock free new treasures. That's code MAXPOOL, all one word, on the mobile game Marvel Strike Force. Now, back to Wandering. For my final thoughts today, I want to explore Bard's claims on the treasure of Erebor and answer this question. Does Bard have a just claim on the treasure? Bard provides three arguments. First, that by his hand the dragon smog perished, therefore Thorin owes him some compensation for that service. Secondly, smog the dragon also raided Dale, Bard's ancestral home, and combined Dale's treasure with that of Erebor. Lastly, Smog destroyed Lake Town, where the dwarves received aid in their time of need. What are your thoughts on these arguments? Do they seem just to you? Bilbo certainly thought so. Quote, these were fair words and true, and Bilbo thought that Thorin would at once admit what justice was in them. I happen to agree with Bilbo. I think Bard's three arguments for claiming Thorin's treasure are just and should be honored. Bard's first claim is that he deserves repayment for his heroic act of slaying the dragon Smog, which directly led to the liberation of the Lonely Mountain and the recovery of Thorin's treasure. This argument holds merit as Bard risked his life and displayed exceptional courage to protect his people and his town. Smog's menace and the devastation he caused are undeniable, and Bard's actions contributed uniquely and exclusively. Thorin was no help at all to the downfall of the dragon. Therefore, Bard's claim for a portion of the treasure as recompense for his service is justified. One counter-argument to this could assert that Thorin's lineage and rightful ownership of the treasure predate Bard's involvement. From this perspective, Bard's slaying of Smog was merely an act of self-defense, or protecting his own interests, rather than a heroic act specifically for the benefit of Thorin and the dwarves. Thus, Bard's claim for repayment might be considered secondary to the inherent rights of the dwarves. However, I still think that Bard's claim is justified, for without his direct actions, the dwarves would have no actionable claim on their treasure. Smog would simply eat them. So not only do the dwarves owe Bard for their treasure, they owe him for their very lives. Bard's second argument is that Smog had plundered and hoarded treasure not only from the Lonely Mountain, but also from the city of Dale which was located nearby. Bard represents the people of Dale, who suffered greatly due to the dragon's greed. As rightful owners of the stolen treasure, the people of Dale have a legitimate claim to its return. By reclaiming the treasure, it can be used for the rebuilding and restoration of their ravaged city. Therefore, honoring this claim would serve the cause of justice and assist in the recovery of a once-thriving civilization. In addition to that, Thorin's sharing of the treasure to rebuild Dale would be a generous act of goodwill that would do wonders in forging alliances and even friendships that would be an echo of the friendships of old between Erebor and Dale. The third argument put forth by Bard is that the people of Lake Town provided crucial aid to the dwarves when they arrived as refugees, seeking help to reclaim their homeland and treasure. The inhabitants of Lake Town sheltered and supported the dwarves providing resources and manpower. However, their assistance led to the wrath of Smog, resulting in the devastating destruction of their town. Bard argues that the dwarves should acknowledge the sacrifice and extend some reparation to the survivors. Recognizing the invaluable aid rendered and the hardships endured, honoring this claim would be a just response. However, a contrary viewpoint might contend that the destruction and suffering experienced by Lake Town 
were unfortunate, but not necessarily the responsibility of the dwarves. It could be argued that the consequences of aiding the dwarves in their quest were unforeseen, and could be attributed to the whims of fate or the unpredictable nature of conflicts with dragons. After all, the people of Lake Town knowingly lived within a couple hours' flying distance from a real fire-breathing dragon. It's not the dwarves' fault their town was destroyed. In this view, compensating Lake Town for their consequences of their own choices may not be an obligation for the dwarves. While Bard's arguments for claiming Thorin's treasure possess strong justifications, opposing viewpoints offer valid concerns as well. Regrettably, all parties involved underestimated the insidious grip that the treasure had taken on Thorin's heart. As the chapter states, quote, Long hours in the past days Thorin had spent in the treasury, and the lust of it was heavy on him. During the negotiations at the gate, Thorin selectively addresses only one of the claims, agreeing to compensate the people of Lake Town for their services. However, he largely ignores the other claims, displaying his inherent dwarvish stinginess. Bard and the elves, in a final attempt at resolution, present Thorin with an opportunity. They propose that Thorn pays Bard one-twelfth of the treasure, from which Bard himself will aid in rebuilding Dale and Lake Town. Thorin would part with only a fraction of the treasure within the mountain and honor all three claims. However, Thorn admittedly refuses this proposition, even when shown mercy as the mountain becomes besieged. The besiegers refrain from bearing weapons against the dwarves, leaving them to their coveted gold. Meanwhile, poor Bilbo finds himself believing that the adventure has concluded. Being a hobbit, the allure of gold holds little sway over him. He astutely recognizes that, quote, the whole place still stinks of dragon. Unbeknownst to others, Bilbo still possesses the Arkenstone, a small but significant leverage that he hopes might alter the course of the siege. But that intriguing development will be explored in a future episode. Today we have explored fascinating elements from the chapter The Gathering of the Clouds in J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. We delved into the presence of talking animals, emphasizing their magical nature and significance in the narrative. Additionally, we examined the contrasting natures of dwarves and hobbits as depicted in their attitudes towards wealth, comfort, and war. Lastly, we analyzed Bard's claims for Thorin's treasure, considering their justness and some counter-arguments. Join us in our next episode as we unravel the on-screen adaptation of this chapter in Peter Jackson's third Hobbit film. Don't forget to share this episode with a fellow Middle-earth wanderer to spread the joy of wandering the world and works of J.R.R. Tolkien. Thanks for wandering Middle-earth with me today. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost.